I'm Ben Sean. You're listening to Out the Gate, a podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. Well, it's been a bit longer than usual between episodes, but uh, we've simply been slammed here recently. I'm still dealing with a back injury, a herniated disc, while we're trying to finish up getting the boat ready and move out of our house and get onto the boat in preparation for heading south towards Mexico. And amidst all that tumult, I also managed to turn 50, which I mentioned mainly because I recorded today's interview with Andy Shell on my birthday at the end of last month. Andy, along with his wife, Mia, founded the ocean sailing business 59 North to share the wisdom of the high seas, as they like to say. And Lauren and I sailed with them to get some of that wisdom aboard Ice Bear in July of 2019. That's when I last had Andy on the show. And since then, Andy and Mia have grown 59 North by leaps and bounds. And I was really excited to catch up with him to hear about all the changes. And while we do talk about what's new, including the very recent announcement that 59 North's FAR 65 Falcon will be sailing the Pacific in 2025, a very exciting announcement, we ended up spending a lot of time talking about the challenges and the stresses that come from building a business and raising a family. We dove into some pretty meaty stuff. In fact, if you listen to Andy's podcast, on the wind, you may know that his latest episode is a conversation between him and Mia about the business. And that conversation, in a way, is a carryover of this conversation because I think it happened the very next day. Okay, let's get into it. Cheers. Cheers. I know it's morning your time, but it's evening here. It's my birthday, so I should be drinking all hey. day. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank wow. you. Wait, how old are you? I am the big 5-0 today. Holy smokes. I turn the big 4-0 next year. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Yeah. These uh So you got you I got, don't know. you got life exp- you got you got some years on me. That's nice. I can come to you for my wisdom and advice. Uh, yeah. Well, as I as I said to somebody earlier today, if if being a wise ass for 50 years makes you wise, then I've then I'm wise. So mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to be as immature as I can at 50. We're in the throes of packing up the house right now. It's, it's crazy right now. So we're supposed to leave the beginning of next month. We've rented our house, and I managed to throw out my back. I herniated a disc. The joys of being 50. I'm healing, but it takes time when you're as yeah. ancient as I am. So we've we've pushed it back a month. Which is fine. It's actually actually really good. Give us our, ourselves a little more time to. Uh... Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, when I get, I'm going back to the U.S. in ten days. Um, so we'll have to set up. I, I want to interview you and, and uh, Lauren if she's interested. But like, to, yeah. to see you guys talk about your plans. So we that'd be do, awesome. We got to do the the reverse of this uh, when I'm on a better time zone. Okay. You often ask people how they introduce themselves. How do you introduce yourself, Andy? Man, uh, it's funny to have these questions flip. I guess, like the most recent real version of me doing this, I joined a Tuesday evening cycling group uh, in town where I live now, um, and like we live in the countryside, in the middle of nowhere. So like, although Sweden has a pretty big sailing culture, so I basically say I f- started a sailing business, and I take we take people ocean sailing. 
that's the thing. Long distance ocean sailing is, is what we do. And then in Sweden, it's interesting. There's a TV show here. I wish we had some of this stuff in the U.S., but there's a TV show here called Over Atlanten, which literally means across the Atlantic. And they basically take a, a group of celebrities, put them on a boat, and sail Las Palmas to the Caribbean. And they've done like three or four seasons of it. And it's really popular. And it's literally like – so almost everybody here knows that show. So like if they're interested in what I do, I say, well, did you did you have you seen this show across the Atlantic? They're like, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, that's what I do just without celebrities. <laughs> so, I see an opportunity for you here, Andy. You need to hit up Netflix, get some I mean, cameras aboard. Yeah, I mean, it's literally, it's like I wa we watched the first couple episodes, and I actually uh, one of the skippers, Gunnar Kranz, he's been on the podcast a couple years ago. You know, they filmed the first episodes of people meeting at this restaurant, him going over the briefings. And it's like almost verbatim how the first day of our trip goes. I mean, it's it's silly. That would be awesome on American television. The closest thing we got is Below Decks, which is so far from. <laughs> well, see, yeah, that's the thing. Swedish Swedish culture in general, and it's carried over to their reality TV. It's just they're, they're just not as dramatic as as we Americans are. So that's really I'm interesting. not sure it would be that interesting. Do you miss the drama living in Sweden or are you just a, you, you're happy to be done with it? Um, pretty, uh, both, both. Yeah. It's one of those things I, I, um, some of the things I don't miss, um, every time we come back to the U S I'm always like culture shocked with how much traffic there is and how much, just how much, how many more people there are. Like it's yeah. crazy. I also feel the, the longer I'm in Sweden, the more American I feel. Because I, as I learn more and more about the Swedish culture, I am definitely not Swedish, and I feel, but it's like it's you're sort of caught in cultural purgatory because yeah. I feel less American here, but then when I go back to America, like I'm, I'm definitely not prototypical American either back there. So I'm sort of caught in this like between ground. Having a little boy, are there things that you're like, oh, I definitely want him to know that from my youth so Mia and I have an ongoing sort of humorous but serious argument about what a football is so <laughs> i am very he has a football i bought him a football and we watch football now i have the nfl package whatever so yeah. sunday nights it's seven seven o'clock is when the one o'clock eastern the afternoon games come on and normally it's like his bedtime routine there's no tv but sundays now he's allowed to watch football with me um and he knows who the eagles are and he knows how to say touchdown and put his arms up nice. and uh so he, he to him a football is oblong not round which is like <laughs> proud dad right here I'll probably never let him play football, but he can play soccer. <laughs> but to me, it's like soccer is soccer and football is football. Get that straight. Well, that's a nice thing. You can take as much of the culture as you want. And that's then right. the parts of it that you don't want so much, <laughs> just leave behind. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about sailing. I last had you and me on the podcast in July of 2019, which is when Lauren and I came sailing with you on Ice Bear. Since then, so many things with the business, with 59 North have changed and grown. I don't even know where to start. But I guess the main question is, did you think it was going to take as long as it has to get where you are now? I, I asked that knowing, having listened to you say to Mia recently, did you have any idea it was going to take, what, six years for us to get here? But what what's that time been like? I don't know that I ever had an idea of of how long it was going to take, but I definitely didn't think it was going to be this stressful and this challenging and this difficult. I mean, it's very similar. You and I, before we started recording, we were talking about the relentlessness of having kids. Yeah. And like, I'm, you know, not only am in the midst of that, 
uh, but like concurrently we've been trying to grow the business. So it's been like relentlessness on both sides of my life. Um, and it, it, very stressful. So I didn't, I didn't expect it to be as stressful as it's been. Um, I never really thought about it, the, the timeline aspect of it, but when you guys, you know, when you guys sailed on ice bear with us in 2019, you got, that was the very first year of this experiment. In fact, when you sailed with us, we didn't even own that boat. We had this one year sort of charter arrangement with the owner at the time to just test the concept. Would two boats work in general? Cause there was a big question of whether, you know, whether or not people wanted this product without Mia and I, because yeah. we've become sort of the, the face of it and made, made it very clear that it was our passion and our thing. And that was a big experiment. And that was answered pretty, pretty resoundly pretty quickly that as long as we created this culture and, and delivered a, a, the, the type of um, philosophy that Mia and I kind of have built, that's, that's not been an issue at all. But uh, what about it has been stressful? I mean, it's it, like well, Ice Bear was the wrong boat. We discovered that sort of over the couple years um was it something specific about ice bear well what we were trying to do i mean ever since the very beginning of 59 north we had bootstrapped everything we we never like really had to raise money we took a a regular loan to buy east bjorn off you know at the beginning of this whole thing and then we bought ice bear and kind of were using it as we were refitting it and it turned out that like the boat just needed a lot more than we kind of thought i mean you were on it pre-refit yeah and it it was it was usable but like it was just like very fragile and a lot of things were happening in season and causing you know you're you're in a far-flung place and you like have to fix something so you're at the mercy of like okay i gotta do this and it costs more and shipping it just was like a it was like a money pit um and then to beyond that the boat just wasn't really laid out the way we wanted it to be. I mean, you'll remember like we would take six people on that boat plus skipper and mate, but there was only four proper crew bunks and then two people would be sleeping on the settees. And it was just, it was disruptive to the atmosphere on board. And it was also sort of unfair to the two people that had to sleep on the settees that didn't have a proper bunk and a place to put their stuff. So, um, it was just like, uh, it was, it was good in that it, it allowed us to test the concept and we, we decided this would work. Um, but it, it was an expensive lesson because we, we, and then when we went and sold ice bear, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard that whole story where, well, I wanted to ask what the, the res- <laughs> where is she now? Because I know you went to sell her that fell through. She, you were going to sell her to a team that was going to race her. What's the final final? Where is she now? To give you a little more context, we had signed up for the OGR, the Round the World Race, which just started a few weeks ago and is underway right now. Paid a $50,000 fee on that. Like, we were all in, man. Like, in. After a while, you know, some of the staff that were going to do it dropped out, and I was really under a lot of stress. And it just, it was clear that it was going to be too costly on our family and mental health to actually push through with this. So we bagged it. And then Which I have to it. give you credit for, Andy. Not only did you make that hard decision, but you were so open and honest about it, about the decision, about your mental health, which as somebody who has also struggled with mental health in the past, is so refreshing for to hear people come out and say, hey, I'm not in a good spot. I need to work on it. And this is where, this is what's happening. I mean, 
we can talk more about this, but I'm still not in a good spot. And I mean, it's like a, it's, I mean, I guess it's like you constantly have to work on it, but I'm, I'm better than I was then, but it's, it's still a, it's a by far a big work in progress. And this is a big, a big thing now. It's like finally I'm zipping ahead a little bit, but like we're over the hump. The business is, is running the new boats ready. And like, there's a huge weight off my shoulders on that side of things. But it's but but still, yeah, it's uh, it's not as I don't know if it ever looks easy from the outside, but it's it's not it's it's not. I'll tell you that. Well, because you are so open and honest about it, it doesn't sound easy, but it looks successful. Well, it's like I mean, you can relate it back to seamanship. I mean, my sort of definition of seamanship is basically just making it making everything look easy, making it look simple and, and, and knowing that like. 99% 99% of it's actually all the hard work. And right. that's kind of the the image that we try to portray in the business that like we like we want to we want it to look really Well, you're also selling an experience, and, right? Yeah. And we I mean we are like we're, we we have everything together. It's just it's yeah. just it's way 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 harder than it looks. Yes. Way harder than it looks. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this then. What are your coping mechanisms? Sorry, I was because for so a, many this, people, sailing is what they do to go off and relieve stress. <laughs> and that's got to well, be well. That hard is for you. it. I mean, I will say, like, I actually feel at my best mental health wise when I'm on the boat. When you're at sea, yeah, that, yeah. That that's that is that is when I'm actually feeling the best because you're you can you strip everything stripped away. Um, yeah. It's interesting now because what I'm trying to work on now with my mental health, it's like okay, I can only add so much, and and what I've added. I mean, I've always been good with exercising and taking care of myself physically. I've been pretty strict about doing different types of breathing. So I've been into Wim Hof breathing yeah. for three, four years now. I do that yeah. regularly. Uh, and I just started doing a, a new type of breathing called, this is really interesting actually, because I'm into the, I, I like the idea of meditating and all that stuff, but I could never do it because it, I just couldn't get into a rhythm. But Wim, yeah. Wim Hof and this other breathing called resonance breathing, you can look it up. It gives you an immediate physical response. You can actually hmm. like feel it working. And this resonance breathing, if you wear a heart rate monitor while you're doing it, you can see a change in in your the way your heart your physiology. So like I love it. there's two there's there's two theories with mental health, right? There's there's the therapy theory where you can sort of change your mind to change the way you feel. Because like to me, mental health is is a is a phys- there's a physical manifestation. Oh, for it. sure. I feel anxious and stressed and fatigued and tired and all the rest so the the one the sort of traditional thinking is you fix your mind and that will fix your body and there's another way around that and this is where the Wim Hof stuff comes in and this these different breathing um, techniques where you actually address your physiology and you make your your body feel better and then your mind will follow what I've been doing is basically taking that from both sides I've done uh, cognitive behavioral therapy now I found a really good therapist in Stockholm I've been doing that very regularly since 2020 and the breathing stuff and the exercise but I'll, but but my where I was going with this it's it's not enough like it's not enough to add this stuff i also am learning that i have to take some stuff away i have to be able to shut shut the brain off and that's so hard to do as an op- entrepreneur and like i am so passionate about what we do i care so much about it it's yeah. really hard to step away and, and I'm I'm only reluctantly and recently realizing that like I have to I have to create more space for stillness for lack of a better word. Mm. Because what I'm doing is not enough. That's really interesting. And it's interesting in terms of where the business is now. 
because you are finally growing it to a, a point. Like you, you recently sent out an email that, that listed all the personnel and who's doing what. And just the way that you are talking about it, you're at a point now where the business is significantly different. It's bigger, more boats, more people. Has that allowed you to, to step back a little bit? Or is well, yeah, it just I mean, more so to manage? Both, but it's it's the first time. Um, I mean, this this refit was the the la- like the, the 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 final but largest hurdle to getting the business to where it is now. So like you, you, we we skipped over Ice Bear a little bit, but like we had that whole fiasco. Right. That ended how it ended. No, so let's finish chance. that story. Where is Ice yeah. Bear now? I'm sorry. Ice Bear. I, I sold it. To, we sold it to. We ended up selling it to a broker. Um, who was a swan guy, and he, I, as far as I know, it's still for sale by him in Portugal, where I left it. I sailed it to Portugal. We hauled it out, or he, we arranged to have it hauled out. He bought it uh, very cheap, uh, and then as far as I know, it's still hauled out in Cascais, just outside Lisbon, and it's still for sale because okay. the, the guy was going to – he's a broker but also a swan guy, so he had a swan 57, and he said, whichever one sells first, I'll keep the other one. Um, and I, so I don't, I'd never heard the end of the story, but as far as I know it, it, uh, it's, it's still there and it's still for sale. And so go online and look for a swan in Portugal. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Ice bear is still there. Uh, so, (laughs) okay. So so you were talking about the refit being the final and that was like the the last and the biggest hurdle. And I'll say like the, the, the absolute nadir of my like family relationship with Mia and Axel and my own mental health was in January when we all moved down to Gosport. We got an apartment. Axel was in a British daycare there, and it was just like 12, 14 hours a day. I was down on the boat with Adam doing the last-minute stuff, doing the sea trials. January in the English Channel, I mean, it was – and it it just – it took a massive toll on us as a family, and it was just brutal. It was the Mm. – like I said, because Mia was like completely on her own parenting Axel because I was gone all day. Um, Shit weather, very stressful. Uh cost cost overruns deadline overruns it was it was very very stressful but now you know six months into falcon running and knock on wood um we're starting to iron out the kinks the boat's working you know as we'd planned the crew that have sailed on it really like it it's a especially the crew that have sailed on ice bear are like this is a huge upgrade Mm. um we've got really 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 good staff in place and it's the first time I've actually had a little bit of space to even talk about and think about the things I just mentioned. We're at the beginning of that. And, you know, alongside this, like we started talking about, it's the, the, the parenting thing, being a parent, it's that, that's relentless as well. So it's like, where, it's do, you find, you where do you find space? You mentioned the business and not knowing how long it would take. If you knew what parenthood entailed, you wouldn't jump into it. If you knew what running a business entailed, you wouldn't jump into it. But that's, you love them both. It's very true. That's very. That's very true. Yeah, very true. <laughs> I, I mean, it's yeah, like that. Like, I think a couple people have said like, like I I don't remember specifically who, but talking about like having kids and stuff, and also also having. I get emails a lot. Like, you know, can you give me some advice? I want to start my own sailing thing, and it's just like, look, if you're passionate enough about it, it doesn't matter what I say. You're gonna do it anyway. Yeah. Whether I give you good advice or bad advice, right. or do it or don't do it, if you care enough about it, it doesn't matter what I say. So like, just try, just do it. Same thing goes for kids. Like, it doesn't matter what I, what anybody else says. You you better you're you're either ready or you're not, and like you'll never actually be ready. So, yeah. Rip. So I want to take you back to before you started a business. 
What did you think about when you, I mean, I know you had thought about being a professional golfer, but, but doing this kind of business was, was not far behind, right? And you imagine this from a young age, like taking people cruising. So it's funny. Um, you're gonna have to fill some dead air for a second because I want to grab. An, well, I actually took out of the attic a box of old journals okay. uh, that I have that I've been reflecting on. So yeah. I'm gonna grab one. I want to read you something. Just hang on Do one it. second. Do it. Okay, I gotta find it here. Hang on. I love that you kept journals. Have you been consistent in that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I have up to a point. Not recently. I've been trying to restart it. Okay, all right. So this is embarrassing to to read uh, because it's fairly. <laughs> it's I had a pretty good, a pretty big ego, but at the same time, it's it's uh, like so. Two things. I read something somewhere where the things that you write that you're like most embarrassed to to put in the world, like put that in the world because that's usually the most interesting. So like in that in that spirit, that's why I'm reading this. But basically, this was this is like I don't know if you can see this, but this was on the back of an envelope, and I wrote this in. February 16th of 2007. So this was, I was 23. This is like a few weeks after I got back from that. Maybe even the week after I got back from the trip to New Zealand where I met Mia. Oh, nice. So this is like, my relationship with Mia was less than a month old at this point. I'm 23. I will do something extraordinary with my life. I've already amassed a lifetime of adventure stories that anyone should be envious of. I want to be one of the people... They talk about in the magazines that inspires the young guys like me. There's absolutely no reason I can't. I'm halfway there. If I keep living my life like I've been, it will happen. I will have an, ama- an amazing, adventurous life. I will, and this is like double underlined, I will see the world, write about it, and live every day with the excitement that I'll experience. I was put on this earth to experience it, and I will. And it's just like... Nice. That when, when I go back and read this stuff, and and I have stuff, I have stuff go, that goes back even further to when I was like eighteen, like just in just starting college and stuff. And like what what's really interesting is every couple pages, and I don't remember any of this stuff that I write, but every couple pages, like this little black journals from two thousand three, mm-hmm. I like list goals and stuff. And I'm I'm a big believer in like writing stuff down, and then it somehow works its way into yourself into your subconscious when you write it down. And, and like, it's amazing when you go back to see how many of those things actually come true, even if you weren't conscious that you were working towards it. Yeah. I don't remember what prompted me to talk about this, but... No, I, I asked you specifically what you used to imagine, and you're very it's very tangible. I love it. Because... Yeah, yeah right. What I used to imagine. I mean, I just... I, I have journals, like, filled, handwritten journals filled with ideas. And, I, I mean, I'm just like... You knew All you'd be out there exploring the world in one way or another. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. And what I love about this, Andy, is you're mentioning you want to inspire other people. And that's, that's the I've nature always, of your business. I mean, this, is, this is like also, this is also, I, I fear is like very egotistical to say this and like, who do you think you are? But like, I've always very, very, since the beginning, since before I even wrote that, I've always wanted to be a like I read John Kretschmer I read those guys and I always thought I want to I want to be them I want to be I want to be like somebody who other people look up to in terms of adventure yeah how to do it yeah exactly and I think at the time it was probably like ego driven and I'm sure it still is to an extent I mean I don't think anybody that doesn't I I think it's almost a prerequisite to have some sort of ego to start a business because like like with ego comes confidence and the rest of that. But 
Um, but there, yeah, there was always something there. I always wanted to be, I, I always wanted to be like one of those people that like I grew up reading all these books and all these stories. I, I wanted to be that. I wanted to be the one writing those stories. Yeah. But there's more to it than that. It's, you wanted to, to, you wanted to have the adventure, but you also wanted to be a teacher. You wanted to be able to pass that along. I think I'm just lucky that I have a teacher's mindset. Like, I think I'm a teacher whether I want to be or not. I just, I'm like, yeah. I'm just naturally good at that. And I've been able to take advantage of that. I mean, I was, I was a good, I, I did a, you know, long before I even thought about golf as a career in 11th grade English class, we had to do, um, a, a demonstration. Uh, yeah. Was it demonstration speech or you had to do a speech where you taught something that mm -hmm. was like the, the topic of the speech for English class. Yeah. And I, I, my speech was how the golf swing works and I, and I taught that. And then like, and like, even then I was doing stuff like that. And, and I think I just was, I mean, I took, I don't know if you, I ever mentioned this on the podcast, but when I first moved to Sweden in 2007, I didn't know what the hell to do. So I went to Prague for a month and took a, a course on teaching English as a foreign language. And there was like 24 people in the course and me and one other. So I was like 23 at the time had never taught formally in my life ever and me and another like older woman who was an actual English teacher, we were the two that won like the best teacher awards at that thing. I was just really good at at teaching, at, at teaching. Have you used at, that at, at all, or you just took the course? I used it briefly. Me and I took Arcturus down to Fort Lauderdale in two thousand and nine, and I was teaching at an international school there uh, a few days a week teaching Sweet. English. But but what I actually learned from that. I had like a natural ability to like understand how to teach people. But what I learned from that was like that, like actual theory on some of that stuff. So I learned from that course how to elicit because when you're teaching English to someone that doesn't speak English, that's a real challenge because you have to learn how to communicate. You learn to elicit where you basically give clues to what you're trying to get at and you get the students to answer the question for you instead of lecturing. So if we apply that to sailing, it's like, if we talk about reefing and, and oh, you probably, I mean, you've experienced this on the boat. If we talk about reefing. Yeah. I'm not going to stand in the cockpit and say, first you do this, then you do this and you do this. I'm going to present to the group, say, okay, guys, we're going to reef. What do we need to do? Just lift off, list off the ste steps in any order. It doesn't matter. And inevitably people will chime out and then you put it all together, but it's actually the students that are teaching themselves. They just need a little bit of, yeah. um, it's one of the uh, reasons I came sailing with you, Andy. I mean, I wanted my wife to have some offshore experience in a way that I didn't have another way to give her. At the same time, I wanted her to learn sailing from somebody other than me. And the way that you guys teach it, I love it. And I learned that method from that English course. And I, I've applied that to everything I teach and, and do now. So that, that really made an impact on me like that. You never know. Like you never know that this is another thing too. Like, I mean, yeah, I've used, I actually used that very briefly as a teacher, but like, education's never wasted. Like I didn't know, I never thought at the time that I'm going to take these methods and apply them to sailing offshore. Like that was never a thought. Yeah. But like there it was, there it was, I had it. You say you're always writing these goals. What are you writing now for yourself, for the business looking forward? Honestly, there's only one and it's to feel better. It's, it's, it's my mental and physical health. I, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm, I'm on a, uh, non-sustainable path i mean you you yeah. read about I, I told you before we started recording i turned 40 next year yeah i don't feel old at all like i'm very lucky i'm i'm as fit as i've ever been i feel i, I tell people mentally i feel like i'm 24 yeah. uh, i feel great but like 
it's not a secret that stress takes a toll physically mental yeah. stress it, it's it's a, there's a physical toll and i have to address this or i'm on a path towards destruction like i, I it's not sustainable so my number one and really only goal right now is to is to really keep the rest of my life stable so that i have some space to work on myself and take some things off your plate yeah i mean i talk to friends like there's a you know burnout is a it's only recently a medical diagnosis, an accepted medical diagnosis. It's basically yeah. um, depression, anxiety, fatigue from overwhelm, whether that's burnout's usually associated with work, but uh, and it's usually like specifically tied to work. But like in, you know, the two friends I have here in Sweden that have been through this, they went on sick leave for six to nine months and just had that space to to take care of themselves. I can't I don't have that option. No. I can't do that. Because right now, I mean, yeah, we've grown the business and stuff in it, but it still can't, it's not going to exist without me at least having a hand on the tiller at some, some stages. So I need to figure out a way to, to create space in my work life, in my family life, in everything else in order to, to take care of myself. I don't know what that looks like. That, that's like my main challenge. So, so well, that's like the only goal I have, which... If you relate that back to the business, it's like, okay, stability. Stability is like the key word. I mean, kudos to you for being myopic and focusing on that because it's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. And I think you're at a good place with the business where you have more options than you used to. I mean, yes, your hand still needs to be on the tiller, but yours doesn't need to be the only hand on the tiller all the time. Absolutely. Exactly. And this, you know, to bring this full circle, this was, this was, kind of exactly what we were well at at the time in 20 what was it 2018 we kind of said like do we want to do do me and i want to run 12 trips a year and be on the boat nine months a year or do we want to have a family and have a little bit more space so back yeah. then it was kind of like a what can we do with with our extra space if we can grow this a little bit bigger to have a little bit more flexibility <laughs> and through the process of getting there now it's like okay now we just need to like Re remember how to survive because that that <laughs> process nearly killed us well you have been growing a, f a business and a family at the same time and both of those yeah. things i mean before we started you said about uh, about raising kids does it get easier and that's the question everybody asks <laughs> and yeah it does get easier i mean they get they get less reliant on you at least mm. you know they're different it becomes harder in different ways but it is not every waking second it gets harder because they want to go off and do their own things and you're not around them all the time and you're like oh my gosh how can i not be around my kids i can see i don't like the light at the end of the tunnel is the wrong word because it, that implies that like it's been really dark and bad like it's been a really fun process it's just been yeah tough. i mean completely completely exhausting like absolutely just i've never been this tired in my life like yeah. it is just but it's been great it's been fun i mean i like we've met so many cool people the team that we have working I don't even want to say for us working with us now is like just world-class people. It's like so freaking cool. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's so cool. It's true. You've got world class. You've got a world-class team working with you and it's, just, it's very impressive. It's been fun. So I, you, you just, you, you caught me at like my, like sp specifically this week, this whole mental health thing has been like at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, you're getting the brunt of that right now, but I am, I am also like, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people that do, um, 
respect that I talk about it openly. And no, and I was going to say I'm like, glad I, I caught you now because I think it's important for people here. Um, and I mean, I haven't talked about my own journey, my mental health ups and downs. Um, and I, I, what I will say about it is I am so thankful for having the lows that I've had because it has taught me more about myself and has taught me how to regulate myself in terms of physical and mental, like who I am as a person. Um, it's yeah. given me so much more insight. So you do come through those tough times and you have put yourself with family and business under an enormous amount of stress the past few years. And I'm excited to see as you start to come out of it, I, you know, whether it's light at the end of the tunnel, whatever metaphor you use, as it becomes more comfortable and you become, and the business really just solidifies, I'm excited to keep watching. Well, there's a, it's a, it's such a fine line because I say like stability, but at the same time, like stability, especially for someone like me that is like, you know, full of creativity and just very inspired by ideas and like all this stuff. That's what's driven the business. Like, you, if too much stability, it gets stale. Right. You're never so, gonna. Let, you're a person who's never gonna let yourself feel too comfortable. You're right. But that that that's my point with the fine line is I have to get comfortable enough that I can maintain my health, but not so comfortable that it becomes boring and right. And that stifles what so, you your your energy and your creativity. Speaking of which. I understand you do have some exciting new plans. You 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 picked up on my segue there. Perfect. Yes. So so like so we've always talked about going to the Pacific. Uh, I think we had a I had a, like a poster made up for the boat show in like 2019. I think even before we had Ice Bear about okay we're gonna go to the Pacific. Whatever. Obviously that didn't happen. But I've actually had a Pacific calendar built and like saved on my computer. Uh, my initial inspiration to do a Pacific route is Hal Roth's book called Two on a Big Ocean. Sure. Where they basically go around the outer Pacific basin, kind of like New Zealand, Australia, Japan, up to Alaska, kind of of off the beaten path a little bit. So that's always been my um, desire. However, when you sit down and like my favorite thing about what I do, I've always, this has always been my favorite thing is that when I'm planning a passage calendar, I open up Google Earth and I just start measuring distances between places and just like, it's so cool. The fucking distances in the Pacific are huge. <laughs> yes. I was just having this conversation and with somebody there saying, so how, how, where'd you go? <laughs> so they're huge. And the, like, it's such, I'm so comfortable with the Atlantic from basically the equator to Svalbard with weather patterns, with destinations, distances like that's, I'm really comfortable there. It's very easy for me to put together a puzzle of a, a, a calendar. Well, it's like, cyclone season is different and longer yeah. in the pacific you got the equator crossing now you're flipping the seasons and flipping all this stuff it's it's been a really big learning curve to try to figure out okay how do i piece this together and also knowing in the back of my head well a the mental health thing like let's figure let's make this manageable b i live in sweden hawaii and new zealand like new zealand especially new zealand is literally the antipodes of sweden you can't get any further away so Am it's I gonna be? Are we gonna be able to irony. manage that, this? That's where you and me have met, right? So it is, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's always been a goal of ours to sail back to New Zealand. Now, before everyone gets their hopes up, we are not sailing to New Zealand in 2025 because we can't. There's not enough time. Yeah. We basically our season in 2025 starts in Portugal, 
So January 2025, we're going to leave Portugal. And now we've got to get all the way You're talking Falcon. Yeah, on Falcon, yeah. Eastbjorn will stay in Norway and uh, do the, the sort right. of North Sea, Norwegian Sea. Um, that With August at the, the helm. I think. I think. Uh, yeah, August at the helm. We actually haven't planned Eastbjorn's calendar yet. But, yes, yeah, so we're talking about Falcon. We'll start in Portugal. So we've got to get across the Atlantic, through the Caribbean Sea, through the Panama Canal. And then, that you know, that's like a big chunk of miles before we even get to the right. Pacific. And then to plan a Pacific calendar around the cyclone season that also allows people to come and go and hits all the, you know, the hot spots, the places we want to go to and allows us to, to manage it. The reason we picked 2025, mm-hmm. it's like kind of now or never for us as a family because it's Axel's last year before we start school. Uh, yeah. And we have freedom. We can do where we can go wherever we want. So there's talk of us moving out to the West coast of the U S Hawaii. We talked about moving to New Zealand, but, think we're kind of if we move it might we might stay in the u.s because we're all citizens and we know i heard you talking to ben um your buddy ben up in the pacific northwest yeah, yeah. ben door yeah ben door yeah 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 great conversation that'd be a great base and, and but also i think what so the calendar we put together it's like across the atlantic caribbean sea panama canal galapagos marquesas uh tuomotos tahiti and then once you get to Tahiti, you're at like a turning point with the weather and stuff. Yeah. So for us to get, we're, we're too late in the year by the time we get to Tahiti to get all the way down to New Zealand before winter starts. Yeah. Um, and being that it's so unfamiliar and everything, we're gonna we're not gonna push the seasonal stuff. We're gonna kind of play by the rules with the with the with the weather routing and stuff. And instead of going south or west, we're gonna go north. So we're gonna go from Tahiti to Hawaii. And then Hawaii up to Alaska, Canada, and then work our way down to um, sort of Port Townsend. I BC think you're gonna area. have no trouble getting a lot of people who want to do the Pacific. I mean, we've I, I like I'm yeah I'm not I'm not worried about that. Um, yeah. and, and we've had so many former crew that are like, hey, when you launch that calendar, let me know. So yeah. I mean, you're gonna so we're you're hoping to we're hoping to publish this. The, the calendar is gonna come out at Annapolis Boat Show, which is around the same time we're gonna publish this. So if you're hearing this now, the calendar will be out. The calendar will be out. Go check it out. Go sign up. And I'm hoping, like, I don't know where we're gonna be as a family, but we're taking off cruising down south from here, from San Francisco, south towards Mexico. And then if all goes well, we'll be hopping off um, next year, maybe. So we we might catch up somewhere in the Pacific. You'll you'll be doing laps around us. Well, that's the joke, you know. <laughs> Ryan and Sophie, we always end up like crossing paths with Polar Seal with Ryan and Sophie, and like usually it's like we've done a complete circuit of the Atlantic and wind up back in the same place as them. And meanwhile, exactly. they've sailed a few hundred miles. It's it's been a running joke of ours. It's a different kind of sailing. It is for sure. But now, the cool thing, you know, back back to the business thing and the stability and everything, th- like. There's been a lot of planning going into this because we can't do this on our own. And all the staff we have now, most of them are based in Europe. Most of them have kids and small families of their own. And we've been really, you know, to, to like increase the degree of difficulty here, we've also been trying to build a business culture and a, a sailing culture that allows sailors to have a family. Yeah. Because ha- normally, like, if you want to do this type of sailing, this offshore sailing, you're gone for most of the year. Unless you're working on super yachts where you're doing a rotation, but then super yachts don't move very often. Right. So I'm trying to create for myself and other people like the dream job and dream like lifestyle. Like, be, so we kind of have a rule where skippers and mates are never expected to be away for more than six weeks at a time. 
it also keeps you fresh on the boat because you do two, three trips back to back to back and you're, you're beat. So six weeks at a time and family always comes first. So that, what that means is like, we've had a couple of instances. Mia was the first where we had a family emergency. Axel was in the hospital with me. She had to fly home from um, Las Palmas and we had to fly in. We had to get somebody. So like we not only have to have the staff that are flexible enough to do this stuff, but also reserve staff where if we have somebody that needs to go home because they've got a sick kid, we can call in somebody, you know, next day and have them there. So before we decided to commit to this, I spoke to all of our skippers and mates and was like, hey, guys, you know, we're we're planning to go to the Pacific. This is going to be a lot more travel for everyone. Um, are you up for this? And the coolest part about that was everyone's like, are you kidding? Like, hell yeah. And that's the thing too. You have to, you know, we, we have these world-class people. They're also inspired. They also need new adventures. So there is a risk in being too stable on the staff side as well, because people get bored, right? You need new challenges. You, yeah. you have to have new challenges. So, and it was so cool to hear, including Adam, who's our bosun, who's in charge of maintenance. I was like, Adam, you know, you're gonna have to fly out to Tahiti for the month long maintenance period. He's like, Oh, Oops, sorry, that's going to suck. So, like, it's so cool to have a team full of like-minded people that are, like, all on board for, like, doing new things and taking taking new challenges and new risks. And even even though it's going to require a lot more of us uh, in, our, in our lives. It's threading that needle. It's walking that line. It's, um, it's no wonder you are under a lot of stress, but it's, <laughs> it's really impressive to watch you balance it and, and make it work. So... Well, well, hopefully, hopefully over the next, you know, by the time the 2025 season starts, hopefully we can do another one of these and I'll be able to tell you like, yep, over the last two years, I actually have found the balance because it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's not there yet, but we're heading that direction. I hope. Awesome. Awesome. Andy, thanks for taking time. It's great to catch up. Wish I was headed to Annapolis this fall to see you, uh, and Mia, but, uh, it'll have to be somewhere in the Pacific. We're going to flip the script because I want to hear about your guys' plans and um, you've got a, your boat's got such a cool history with your parents and like there, there's a great interview there. So we got to do uh, we got to flip this uh, in the next couple weeks. Happy to. And I'll get my better half to join me and uh, she can give her perspective as well. Awesome. Well, that's it for this week's show. Visit the 59 North website at 59-north.com. To find out more about Andy and Mia, learn about the rest of the 59 North crew. You can learn about their boats, find the sailing schedule for both the Pacific and the Atlantic passages that are coming up. And you can learn about the community forum that Andy started called The Quarter Deck, a really interesting platform where a lot of really smart sailors are having conversations on all kinds of topics. I'm your host, Ben Shaw. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Instagram at outthegatesailing or email me at outthegatesailing at gmail.com. And you can find and support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash outthegate. Until next time, smooth sailing.